Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, the voice of the construction industry throughout Pennsylvania, presented by P.J. Dick. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien. Hello, and welcome to the Building PA Podcast. I am co-host John O'Brien from the Keystone Contractors Association. I'm checking in at the Quandle Studio, joined as always by co-host Chris Martin, Chris, what's going on today? Hey, John. Good day to you. Good day to everyone out there. We are uh, plugging along on the Building PA podcast. Uh, things are going well out here in the western part of the state. Um, but uh, glad to hear things are well in the Quandle Studios. And This episode is part of the McQueen Building Company's Business Leadership Series, an ongoing series of episodes from the Building PA podcast, brought to you by PJ Dick. So today we are we're in another episode of the Building PA podcast, which is brought to you by PJ Dick, the Business Leadership Series. And joining us today is Gene Barr, who is with the Pennsylvania Chamber of Business and Industry. Welcome, Gene. Hey, it's great to be with you guys. Thanks for the offer to appear. Certainly. You bet. Hi, Gene. How you doing? Good. We're, we're doing all right. Yeah. Good, John. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Glad. Glad you could join us today. Yep. Go ahead, Chris. Oh yeah. yeah. So no, looking so, forward to the conversation, guys. Good. Good. So our our topic today is how to be a leader in challenging times, and everybody knows the challenge that we're all facing. Yet, not only as an industry for the construction industry, but business as well, which is why. Gene has, has joined us today and has been so gracious to, 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 to come aboard, if you will. Uh, Gene, if you could, give, give us a little background about you and, and the Chamber and where things are right now in terms of all these challenging things. Sure. Well, the Chamber is the largest broad-based business advocacy group in Pennsylvania. We have about 10,000 members representing a little over 50% of the private sector workforce. So for me, I've been president since uh, 2011. I've been at the chamber since 03. Prior to that, my, pretty much my career was in the oil industry, actually. I worked for BP for a little over 12 years, and then uh, API for uh, seven or eight years, American Petroleum Institute. My career with BP took me from uh, the refinery in Philly, uh, near where I grew up, started working shift work at the refinery, then moved to Atlanta, to Cleveland, and then back to Pennsylvania when I left there. So a little bit of a a little bit of an eyes view of the, at least some of the eastern part of the U.S., you know, where we've lived. But it's, you know, so we've been back here in Pennsylvania now since 92, so it's been a while. Hmm. It has, yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, we're talking about leading during a, a crisis and during challenging times, and uh, what better uh, challenging crisis to talk about than 2020 as a whole, you know? I mean, you just wow. <laughs> We're all going to be glad to see this thing get, you know, kind of get wrung out here. And, you know, we're, you know, fortunately with the vaccine, we're, we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. But as I said, I've been at the, you know, at the chamber since 03. And quite clearly, this has been the most challenging year, not only since I've been at the chamber, certainly the most challenging year that I've had. And, you know, in my career, And if you think about it, as you read history, you know, I'm, I'm a student of American history. I don't think we've been through anything like this in 100 years, you know, since yeah since the last, you know, in, in influenza. You know, and it's funny, you ask 
about leadership in challenging times. One of we do a lot of programs at the chamber. The one that many people are familiar with is our annual dinner, but which I love doing. But one of my favorite programs that we do is something we do in conjunction with the Gettysburg Foundation, which we take you know 30, 35 people on the Gettysburg battlefield, and we do leadership lessons learned during the Battle of Gettysburg. And you know you talk about communications issues and logistics issues, and you know how you strategic plan and what happens when somebody doesn't buy into your plan and challenges that you face in terms of disruptive technology. And you look at that, and man, there's going to be a lot of lessons that we're all going to be able to take out of the last nine or ten months that we've lived through here in 2020 as we've learned, you know, what you need to do to work remotely and deal with just so many of these challenges, um, you know, whether it's, you know, dealing with the, making sure that your people have the technology that they need, how we deal with personal issues such as working families and child care, uh, how, you, how you lead and motivate when you haven't seen people in weeks or maybe even a couple of months. I mean, there's just so much that we're going to be able to take out of this and figure out how to take out of this and then figure out what the new workplace is going to look like. Will we kind of revert back to what we've known? Will there be you know, permanent changes? So there's, man, there's going to be so much that comes out of this, not only over the next few months, but you know, studying this for years and years. Mm-hmm. Gene, the fact that you just address something that that I've been trying to think of personally is how will we revert back? Can can you talk a little bit about that? And and, and from your perspective as at the the, the chamber, what are what are you doing to to prepare for that, um, both well, personally and professionally? Yeah, Chris. I mean, that's a great question. I and mean, you know, if you think about this, I mean, some would argue that. Some would argue we're never going back. And I think that fundamentally we're going to see changes. We now know that in, in, in many, many cases we can send our people working remotely and work from home. Um, some people love it. Some people can take it or leave it. And some don't like it. I've heard some people say there's, there's never really an off time. You, have to, you can't leave the office because the office is in, you know, around the corner or in your dining room or in your basement or in your bedroom. So you Almost don't yep. leave the office, you know, for many cases. Um, some people love it. Some people say, hey, they, you know, this is great. We had to remind our people for, you know, as people are listening to this, I mean, as the three of us are on here, we're dealing with the beginnings of a fairly major snowstorm here. We had to tell our people, hey, you know what, no such thing as snow days anymore, guys. We now know we can work from home. So take all, make sure you got all your equipment. Um, you know, make sure that you're going to continue to do what you're doing. And, you know, our people – I got to give them credit. Have have done a great job. Um, and the other thing to think about is what will, what are our cities going to look like? I mean, when you look at here in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, I've been in the office a lot since probably May, um, looking at Harrisburg just because I I, I want to be there because some of my people have to be there, and I feel like it's it's not much leadership to say, hey, you go in the office, but I'm you know I'm going to be home. I want to be there, and I also think it's better when we can to engage face-to-face. But as I look at Harrisburg, so many of the businesses have shut down. I don't know when state government's going to be back. So does this permanently change Harrisburg? Does this permanently change, you know, the office rental structure, how small businesses uh, exist, you know, the restaurants, the gift shops, et cetera? How, how does all of that change? You know, we've already seen some of the changes of people saying, hey, you know what, maybe I don't want to live in a big city anymore. Maybe I want to, you know, go elsewhere. 
And so there's going to be a lot of changes. I don't know that it's just going to, you know, we're going to turn the light switch back on and people will flood back doing what they're doing. I think people are going to be making some changes. Again, you know, some of them some of them good, some not so good. I mean, one of the good ones I would say is, look, for people that might have a physical disability, we've shown that we can provide a career to those people where they don't have to, you know, navigate the transportation issue. So it's we've figured out a lot of this, but we've also figured out that, I'll be honest, I think that in most cases we probably work better together. I've seen the loss of the spontaneity that you get. I'll be in my office and go, hey, I've I got to think about talking to so-and-so about that. Then I have to say, oh, geez, I forgot they're not in. And then you got to set up a Zoom call. And I've come to realize, to me, yeah. Zoom is now a four-letter word after dealing with all these. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not alone with that, Gene. Trust me. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. 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 But, but there's definitely been a lot of change and a lot of un- uncertainties out there. Um, I'm sure you've had it amongst your staff with, you know, not sure what's going to happen tomorrow and, and with different changes by the governor and his uh, executive orders, there's all sorts of changes happening all the time. Can you maybe touch on as a leader, you know, people look to you, your staff's looking to you, your members look to you, um, what sort of advice or how did you handle it during this, this pandemic, during 2020? Any, any yeah. sorts of advice you could offer future leaders? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I wish I could sit here and say I've, I've got – I mean, none of us have all the answers. All of us have got to share what little things we've picked up here and there, what little wisdoms, what mistakes we've made. And, you know, kind of let me divide it into, you know, in, in, into two segments because not only do we work policy, and, John, you mentioned the fact that obviously our job during this time was to keep as many businesses up and running as we possibly could, but, but we're also an employer. I've got more than 50 people. And so, you know, you've, you, you have to be responsible and, you know, and, and aware of those. One of the things that I think occurred to me during this, you know, we've had some people in the building and some haven't been able to get in for different reasons. Maybe, again, there are child care issues or you've got people who might have uh, some sensitivities in which we try and keep them home so they don't suffer unnecessary exposures. I think when you're leading an organization, I think you have to be cognizant of the fact that what you don't want to do is – those people that might not have been in your office for weeks or months on end, you have to make sure they continue to know that they're part of your organization simply because they're not there. They need to be, it has to be demonstrated to them that you realize it's not out of sight, out of mind. You have to recognize what they're doing. You have to recognize that they're working through challenges and, you know, they're working through issues on their own, you know, in their own lives and at their own home and they want to do the best they can. So I think it's easy for, people to feel disengaged. I think you have to make, particularly in these times, a concerted effort to kind of reconnect people, you know, reconnect and make sure that people continue to be part of the team. You know, particularly, and we've had this happen, we've hired one or two people, like right after the, right after the, uh, the whole epidemic started. And, you know, they're in there, well, they haven't met anybody. And it, it, it's so easy to be completely disconnected when you have no relationships within the building. And so you really have to think about for those folks, but also for your people who have been there a while who haven't been in. You know, we've had to say to them, sorry, you've got to go home. You know, we know you have an issue. Or, you know, maybe you're, you know, one of your family members is having chemo and might be exposed. So you have to really think about that. And, again, think about how you motivate and think about how you work with people when you don't see them. And that gets, that gets really difficult. On the other side, um, you know, and you're right. This was, I mean, when this thing hit back in March um, and this state, 
you know, look, I'm trying not to be critical of people, but because we've never gone through this before. How do you, how do you s- slow down, slam the brakes on an economy in the hopes of stopping a virus the likes of which we haven't seen in 100 years? How do you do that? There's no playbook. There's no COVID-19 you know, book you take off the shelf and say, oh, here, right on here on page six, here's how you do it. We're, you know, we're all learning. I mean, we made the decision early on in our organization that because we were so concerned over the economic impact on the Commonwealth and its people, that, of course, as you know, we're a membership organization. That's what drives you. It's what drives, you know, you guys, John, as well. I mean, you, you, yep. you have members, yeah. and that's, you, you have to represent them. We made the decision as we were hearing about these waiver issues and people shut down and just, you know, really horrible situations. And I always kid with people. I don't know how so many people got my cell phone number, but they did. I mean, I was fielding waiver <laughs> requests sometimes 9, 10 o'clock at night. Um, we made the decision that we were going to help everyone who called regardless of whether they were members or not because at that point it's it should not be a hey gee you're not a member it needs to be we've got to get this you know company this part of the critical supply chain for hospitals for you know food service for the defense industry we were dealing with that too for people who make personal protective equipment regardless of whether they were members or not we were going to help them and we told our folks that and we did we got a lot of people back now honestly we hope they, you know, hope they become members. You know, you know, as John knows, that's, you know, what you got to do. Yep, you have to get those in so you get that collective. It's a lifeblood. Membership, yep. you know, those dollars are critical. When we kind of got back, well, not even got back, as we got into April, of course, we saw the stimulus dollars start. And we saw significant changes made to unemployment comp and the, you know, the Paycheck Protection Program and all of these things. You know, we looked at all those. And so we said, you know what, we're going to put on some webinars. We had on the governor. We had on the Secretary of Health. We had people out of D.C. with the Small Business Administration. We said, you know what, again, we're going to do webinars, and we're going to open them up to everybody. We're not going to charge anybody a penny. We're going to make sure that people get the information they need and they get the answers to the questions that they have. So we opened them up in some of the webinars. We had more than 2,000 people on. Um, those are the kind of decisions that you have to make. I mean, it's easy to say, hey, we're a membership organization, and most of the time that's the right answer because the old, you know, the old American Express commercial membership has its privileges. You have to hold to that. But I think you have to recognize that we are in extraordinary times. And in extraordinary times, you have to kind of obviously go outside the mold and do things a bit differently. And we made the conscious decision to do that. Nice. Yeah, we, we kind of took that approach too. We uh, offered any contractor out there that needs help, you know, feel free to call. And, you know, we were flooded by calls as well too. So it was a nice way to uh, help out the industry that way. Great approach. Yeah, I mean, organizations like yours and ours, people are going to rely on for, you know, for answers. You know, they don't know where to turn. And, you know, of course, you can, as I said, you can always hope that they say, hey, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a commitment. I'm going to help this organization because you were there when I needed you. And you hope that's the case. It doesn't always, you know, work that way. We understand that a lot of times with the, you know, the pain that businesses are going through right now, you know, we get that a lot of people literally cannot afford to be a member. Um, that they're literally hanging on for their lives, which is something we're dealing with right now with a, a lot of a lot of businesses, particularly small businesses, with the you know shutdowns that were you know reengaged here again last week. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, Gene, you 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 bring up some great great points about you know how the chamber is is managed through 
through the, the, the pandemic. Can you talk a little bit about how or, or even some, some tips, not, not just so much the, 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 what the chamber is doing, but some, some tips on as an employer to help balance you know, the, that work-life balance right now. As you mentioned before, you know, people working from home and the, the ability to get away from the, the work and, and do things. For me as a business owner, that's one of my biggest concerns right now is making sure that, that my team is, is balanced and they're, they're, they're not feeling like they have to put in 14, 18, 16 hours simply because it's, it's accessible to them. Exactly. And I look, I mean, I think you hit on it. Simply because you can doesn't mean that you should. I think you have to encourage people. You know, what we found is a lot of people weren't taking the vacation time. And now we get to the end of the year and a lot of people have big balances because it's kind of easy to say, well, I'm home. If I take it, I'm going to work anyway. Um, you have to encourage people just to simply disconnect. I mean, you know, my wife hates when I do this, but when I get home on weekends, so oftentimes I'll just take off. I'll just take off the phone and it goes on the nightstand. I might check it once or twice a day. I don't want to be connected to that. I, some You need to get away from that. You need to kind of you know purge everything there. You need to kind of clear your head a little bit. So I encourage people to do that, You know, particularly if you're working. Just, just get away from it. Take your vacation. Shut the you know lock you know lock the door to your office. Give it you know give the key to somebody in your house. Tell them not to give it back to you, because just sometimes you've just you've just got to get away. And it was particularly a problem this year because you had so many people. I mean, it's one thing to say okay, we're going to take our vacation and go away. Well, a lot of those places were closed down. People either couldn't or wouldn't get on an airplane. People couldn't or wouldn't go to the beach. And so it becomes even more problematic because you're stuck at home and, you know, you kind of gravitate back. You have to make that decision to break away. You know, as we said earlier, you also have to make sure that your people know that they're still part of your organization too. So we tried to do more, you know, staff meetings than we normally would where we got everybody on. Again, unfortunately, it was a Zoom call, but try and do that. Um, I would encourage the people who report to me to make sure that, you know, communicate well with their people about what it is that we're trying to do and about how they ought to be operating and about how they ought to be disengaging and all trying to do the right thing. It just takes a lot more thought process because it's just, you hate to say easy when people are in the office because you run across them, you talk to them, but how do you do it when you haven't literally haven't seen people for four months or maybe once or twice over that four-month period? It gets it gets really challenging, and you got to think about think about ways to do that. I'm fortunate enough to have a staff that people will come in and say, "Hey, how about if we do this?" Or wouldn't it be neat if we did this for the staff? I think a couple times, you know, my the staff I had said, "How about if we just send people like a little package for Halloween?" People, "Wow, this is really neat. I love this." Um, you know, great ideas. I hadn't thought of that. Um, sending out little messages about you know, what's going on and just updating them more from a personal style. So it's, um, you got to be really inventive during these times because, again, we've never lived through them before. Yeah, and, and the fact that we, we have nothing to really refer to, like you said earlier, there is no book, there's no toolbox, there's no, no. Uh, guidebook, you know. So um, I, that's the one thing that I'm, I'm really impressed, not, you know, with not only the construction industry and, and you know, John's a perfect example of being a leader in that challenging time of helping the industry, you know, get back to work when there were when when things were as they were in, in March. But but 
as far as the the aspect of of really guiding people um, what what are some things that some business owners can do at, like you said before to revert back I mean when they bring people back in or yeah or, or, or how, try how to get back to the, that? yeah or, or try to get back to the normal uh, you know I'm air quoting normal um, yeah just yeah, yeah, just yeah, some yeah. ideas around there well you know it's a great question because as we've been talking about here, none of us knows exactly what normal is. None of us knows what, what that will look like. You know, I, I kid, you know, I kid here at home, my wife knows I hate the term the new normal because I refuse to accept that we're not going to be able to, to take things back to where we're comfortable with. I know that certain things will change. I know that certain things should change. I think that there's got to be more of a awareness about how about what working parents deal with. I mean, one of the things that we've done a lot of work on is workforce development and addressing barriers in workforce development. That includes criminal justice reform, transportation issues. I mean, you know, we've all heard about people who say, hey, I, I'd like to have a job, but I, but I can't afford a car. I can't afford a car to get the job. And the other one is child care issues, which have really been brought to bear um, here of people who had, who had to deal with that. When the schools are closed, when the child care facilities are closed, the child care facilities are worried about opening up uh, because they're concerned about being sued, which is a whole other thing that, you know, that we could certainly talk about. Um, all of those things have been made more apparent to us um, as we move forward. The, the lack of, of, of really good broadband, we're going to be getting this thing called bringing PA back, which is focusing on what Pennsylvania needs to truly become successful. And one of them is working on those workforce issues that I talked about, and another one is working on our infrastructure, which obviously John's guys, you know, want to do because yep. uh, we've, we have to build the traditional uh, uh, highway infrastructure and transportation infrastructures, but also the broadband infrastructures, uh, the energy infrastructures. All of these need to be done. And I think particularly with the communications and information infrastructure, it has been made obviously apparent during the last nine months how much that matters. I mean, you know, starting back there in March, we're all jumping on and, you know, Zoom was overwhelmed and people were figuring out how to use Microsoft Teams and, and Zoom and WebEx and all these new things. And all of a sudden, wow, this is, this is how we're going to have to work for, at the time we thought, what, two, three, four weeks. Now turned out yeah. to have been, you know, you know, now nine months. So people have gotten more comfortable with it. Again, I, you know, I have my own thoughts in terms of, it's whether it's the best thing, because I do think we lose things. I think with kids, quite clearly, the educational system uh, is now to a point where you're going to have so many kids who are a year or more behind in their development. And I, you know, we're going to see we're going to see the ramifications of these education shutdowns uh, over over years. I'm afraid many many kids, particularly those without the ability to tie into an information network, are going to be shown to have fallen further and further behind. So with challenges like that, you know, looks like an ideal spot for solutions and somehow the Chamber could help out with workforce development and you guys could fill a gap there, I'm thinking. <laughs> well, that's, well, that's our view. Of course, we had been working on that for a little yeah. while before uh, by working yep. on this Keystone Workforce Command Center. And, you know, John, I mean, we know that, that, that a lot of those situations are, you know, right up the alley of your, of, of your industry because one of the things 
that I've heard for years from people and I ask them kind of the old what keeps you up at night, it's, it, it's workforce. How do I get the people yeah. I need to fill the jobs that I have available? And in many, many cases, that's the, you know, those are the masons and the carpenters and the electricians and all of the things that, of course, that you guys do, jobs that are great family-sustaining jobs that, that in many cases, most cases don't require two or three, four years in college. They certainly require training, which is why I think that we need to begin talking about our educational experiences pre-K to 12 plus because a high school degree, I don't believe, is any longer sufficient. You need something beyond high school, but it doesn't have to be four years. And so we've got to focus on, on how, we, how we work on doing that. We, you know, we talked about the barriers to those, but we've got to work on how we continue to build that workforce. So uh, back in the spring, we had partnered with uh, statewide associations, including in construction, of course, um, and local yep. chambers to say, okay, we call it a bringing PA back. First was an assessment. How bad is it? Who's hurting the worst? What can we do? And then begin to talk about how we bring this economy out of the ditch we had to drive it into. But for us, it became apparent that bringing PA back to what it was in January and February isn't sufficient because we think we can do better with the resources and the workforce that we have. Granted that, you know, we still have workforce issues. And incredibly, I still hear from businesses they can't still can't find people at a time of high unemployment. And that's a whole whole other discussion. But we made the decision that we're going to put significant resources into an effort that's going to highlight not just to the legislature, but to the general population that Pennsylvania is not performing up to where it should be. We're falling further behind other states. And how do we fix that? We fix that by looking at our competitiveness issues. What does our legal climate look like? What does the tax climate look like? What does the regulatory climate look like? The permitting. What do we look like on workforce? What do we have to do to create the 21st century workforce that will move Pennsylvania forward? How do we create equality of opportunity for all of our people so that we can begin to reduce inequality? How do we work on that infrastructure that we talked about to make sure that we build the infrastructure that will attract people to make it more viable that they will invest here? And so we're going to put significant resources over the next three years. We're in the process of raising them now to make this commonwealth what it ought to be. With the energy resources we have, the educational institutions that we have, the, the quality workforce that we have, clearly we have issues with that. But with all of that, our proximity to markets, our location, we should be much better than we are. We should be growing, not stagnant. And we have to put everything we can towards making that, making that difference. Yes. Amen. And Chris, that answer right there is pretty much in a nutshell, leading in a crisis. So we have a pandemic, we have a big crisis, but as Gene demonstrates, the show must go on. You know, we got to keep pushing forward. You know, we've uh, had some challenging times, but it, no reason to sit on the sidelines. We got to keep business as usual and keep moving forward. I love it. I, I couldn't agree more with you, John. You know, um, from a just from a leadership perspective, it's, it, you know, like, without getting political, um, it's nice to hear that, unfortunately, we didn't hear from Gene earlier in the pandemic. We have leaders. We have people that are willing to step up and say, here's what you need to do, and it's just a breath of fresh air. It's so refreshing to hear those things because that's been the challenge for me personally as a business, as a business owner is, okay, Let's be prepared. We've got to be thinking six to 12 months in advance. And I couldn't agree more with everything you said today, Gene. This was, this was so helpful. So I, I can't thank you enough for joining us. 
Oh, I can't thank you guys. This was great. I enjoyed the conversation. And because we all have a lot of work to do, and it's going to be not just the chamber, it's going to be all of us here working there because we don't have a choice. We can't sit on the side because our our kids are relying on us and the community is relying on people like the three of us here who have, who have got to lead our respective organizations and uh, operations forward. We don't have any other choice. We have to do this. Yes, correct. Yeah. 100% correct. I agree. I agree. Gene, yeah. um, again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, again, this has been Gene Barr with the Pennsylvania Chamber of Commerce and, and uh, for, of Business and Industry. I'm sorry I said that wrong. Pennsylvania Chamber of Business and Industry. Um, thank you, Gene. I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Glad Gene. to do it. No problem. Thanks. Thank you for joining the Building PA Podcast, presented by PJ Dick. To stay up to date, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook, and visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening.